Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. All of that time, and I didn't turn my mic on. Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, we're really glad to have you here today. My name is Pastor Brad. If you're a first-time guest with us here today, we're especially glad that you're here. Uh, We plan for you to be here, and uh, we're just really, really happy that you're here today. But if you've been around for a while, you're probably looking at me going, something's different. And you're right. I'm missing something awesome on my face. Um, I had a really good beard. It came down to here, and uh, and, and I, I cut it off. And there are a couple of reasons for that, and I think there's one superseding reason, but uh, the, the main reason is because last week I got uh, the stomach flu. And, uh, you know, when stuff's coming out of your mouth at that speed, you can't control where it goes. You know, and I, I had to hold on to some things. So, you know, there was no, so, yeah. So it was, uh, it was real nasty, real nasty. And, and so here's the problem. Uh, so that happened about four times, four different times. And I was like, man, that's just, that's, that's gross. But I wasn't going to cut it off or anything. And, uh, but, but for like two days, I had washed it and shampooed it and everything. The smell was still there, you know? And, and I mean, you know, talk about being nauseous all the time. I thought maybe if I got rid of that, I'd feel better. So, um, so I decided to, to shave it off. And, and so I did. And I came to a, a meeting with our staff, um, the lead team actually. And, and uh, Pastor Chris is there. And, and he saw me and he's like, whew, I've been praying for that. And, uh, and so I learned why, why it kept smelling was because Pastor Chris prayed that, that it would come off. So, so anyway, so that, that's, uh, that's, that's incredibly sad for me, but, but probably good for you guys. So um, I don't look so homeless anymore, and that's all right. Okay. Um, but we're just, uh, we're so glad that you're here today. We've been in the, right in the, right in the middle, actually, we're kind of coming to a close um, next week, actually, of a series called Connect, and it's all about prayer. And, and man, this has just been an incredible series because through this series, actually all through this month here in January, we've been, um, as Pastor Chris mentioned, having 31 days of prayer, and it has just been really awesome. At 6.30 in the morning, it's really been incredible to see so many of you come out and, and pray here in this place. And I know that, I know many of you, if you could, if your work allowed it or if you had kids or anything like that, you, you would be here too. Um, and we understand that. So we're excited about what God's doing uh, at home or in your cars or wherever it is that, that you're participating in us, uh, with us in 31 days of prayer. Um, but, but what we believe is that God is doing something here at New Life. And, and we believe that he's stirring our hearts because he wants to continue to do some incredible things, but in particular, just really some, some uh, awesome things in the next couple years. We believe God is just gonna change this region and, uh, and we're excited to see that. So God's stirring us to pray now so that we can see um, some results later. And it's just been such an incredible experience um, to be with you. And I know you guys have all been an encouragement to me uh, in prayer and, and really to our whole staff team. So thank you for praying. And, uh, and we're just so excited about it. And it, again, as Pastor Chris said, it continues tomorrow morning at 630. So we'd love for you to, to come out and participate uh, with us as we pray. Well, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of this, uh, this Connect series, and, and what we've learned through this series is really, really important. In fact, Pastor Chris pointed it out the very first week, and, and that is this, that prayer is not a substitute for action. You see, some people think that prayer, people pray because they don't want to go do stuff. 
But actually, the opposite is true. Prayer is actually an action for which there is no substitute. And there's a reason for that. And through this series, I've been reading a book called PUSH, and it's an acronym that stands for Pray Until Something Happens. And in that book, a guy named the author, whose name is Jurgen Mathesius, he said this, and, and this is so powerful, and this is why there is nothing like prayer in our lives and why prayer is so powerful. Here's what he said. Prayer shifts things from one dimension to another, but it also does something even more magnificent, and I love this, and don't miss this today. It leverages the power of God in our lives. Prayer leverages the power of God in our lives. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably struggled with prayer most of your life. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, um, you've probably really struggled with this. If you're not a follower of Jesus and this doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. Hang on, it will. Okay, but, but here's the deal. If you've been following Jesus, it, it, prayer has probably not been one of those things where you wake up in the morning and go, man, I'm going to pray for two hours, right? You know, that's just so exciting to me. It's just not because we all have this thing that we deal with. It's called skin or flesh, what the Bible calls flesh. And, and, and with that comes a sin nature. And so we naturally don't desire to do the things of God. We don't naturally desire to even be in a relationship with God on our own because of that sin nature. So, so, so prayer has been a, a challenge for me. But what we've been learning through this series is just how important prayer is. And, and specifically, we've been answering a question, what does effective prayer look like in the kingdom of God? Or what is an effective prayer? What, what, what is a prayer that gets results? And that's what we've been looking at here uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Because there, the disciples kind of asked the same thing. They were looking around at what Jesus was doing, and they were like, whoa, Jesus, how do you do this stuff? I mean, Jesus, would you just teach us to pray? Because we know that, that, the, that the, what you're doing is a direct result of your time with God. Would you, would you teach us how to pray? Teach us what is effective. And, and the disciples came and asked him that, and then Jesus responded. And, and that's the text that we've been looking at. That's the scripture that we've been looking at throughout this whole series. So what we're going to do right now, if you would, if you would please stand, uh, we're going to read this together from Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 9 through 15. If you have your connect guide, it's on page 38. Would encourage you to, to get that out because we're going to read this out loud together. Um, it'll be on the screen as well, uh, but we're going to read this right now. So if you would, let's, uh, let's read out loud. It's also in the app on our, uh, our New Life app if you'd like to read it too there. Um, here's, here's what it says. Let's read together. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we have this teaching on effective prayer, how to pray effectively in the kingdom, and, and, and how to pray a prayer that gets results. Lord, today we pray that you will teach us, that you will open our hearts, that we will be able to receive from you what you have for us by, your, by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to let you know, Pastor Chris mentioned this uh, earlier, but In Your Connection is an outline, and uh, in this outline, we're going to discover some things that are very, very important, and, and we know, unfortunately, you remember about 12% of what we say, 
But if you can, uh, if you write it down, you can remember a whole lot more. So I would encourage you to do that. If that's you, you like to do that kind of thing, we'd, uh, we'd love for you to do that as well. All right, so what we've learned um, is, is this. God responds to prayers offered in a right relationship and with a right attitude. God responds to prayers in a right relationship and with a right attitude. And, and that's what we've seen really these, these past few weeks if we, as we've broken this prayer down and studied each line and each, each word, really, um, we've learned that specific thing. The first two weeks, we dealt specifically with the right relationship part. And we're gonna review that quickly. Look at the very first thing that Jesus said that we need to pray. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. In heaven, first, the first thing that Jesus says is that we're supposed to call God Father. Now, that's really significant because we, we know on earth we have earthly dads, and some of them are really great dads, and some of them are not so great dads. Um, but, but Jesus says that really we are to have one heavenly, we're to have one Father, and He is the heavenly Father in our lives. And so, what that means is this that we are supposed to be in a relationship with God. And see, for some of us, that's a hard thing to understand because we never heard that before. We always thought that God was kind of this omniscient being who didn't really care about us at all. But actually, God cares tremendously about us. And that's why Jesus says, call him Father, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So how can we do that? How can we call him Father because the Bible actually says that when we are born, um, and because of our sin nature, which I mentioned earlier, that, that we're actually enemies of God because of that sin nature. That sin nature naturally doesn't want to um, honor God, doesn't want to pursue God, doesn't want to have anything to do with God. So we're enemies with God in our own sinful um, state. So how can we call God Father? Well, the answer is this, that God knew that. And so he sent Jesus here, Jesus who's born of a virgin, fully man, fully God, lived a perfect life. He met God's standard. In fact, he's the only human being who has ever met God's standard, completely, perfectly. And so Jesus never sinned. In other words, Jesus lived a life that I could never live, certainly. And probably, I'm guessing most of you, actually all of you, can't live either. Jesus lived a perfect life. And then Jesus did something incredible. He went to the cross and he died. You see, what happened in that moment is that Jesus took our place because Jesus never sinned. There was no reason for Jesus to die except that he died in our place for our sins. And so he was buried, and three days later, this is the incredible part, God raised him back to life again, and the scripture tells us that he took the keys from Satan of death and hell. Now, why is that significant? That's significant because when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive from Jesus a brand new life. And the apostle John says that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we are adopted into his family. How awesome is that? Now, my wife and I, we've adopted a little boy, and do you know what he calls me? Daddy. Do you know why? Because I'm his dad. And so when we are adopted into God's family, now we are not enemies of God. We are friends of God. In fact, we are family with God. We're sons and daughters of our heavenly, everybody say it, Father, right? So when we pray, if we are going to have effective prayers, we have to have a right relationship with God. We have to have a right relationship 
with God. That means that we have to come before him and acknowledge that he is our heavenly father. Then Jesus goes on and he, he, uh, he, he plays this out a little bit. And he says, may your name be kept holy. May your name be kept holy. Now, there's a reason that Jesus said this right after he said our father, because it's in direct correlation to our lives. Jesus' name, or God's name, our heavenly father's name is kept holy as we are holy. That's kind of scary, actually. But do you know, all through the New Testament, we're told that we're ambassadors, that we're lights on a a city on a hill, that we're lights in darkness, that we're to reflect um, God to the world. And so what does that mean? That means that we are Jesus to some people. And so when we act in righteousness, or when we obey, when we follow Jesus, we're actually keeping God's name holy. So there's some responsibility there. And that's what Jesus is saying. As your heavenly father... You're living in his kingdom as part of his family, then it's your job to keep his name good. Right? It's your job and my job to keep his name holy before the world. So that's incredibly important. And then something happens as we do that. As we walk in obedience, something happens. And here's what Jesus said this is number three on your outline. May your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is. In heaven. You see, when we keep God's name holy by walking in obedience with Him, then God can deliver the kingdom through us. You see, if we're not living lives that reflect Jesus, He's not going to use us to deliver His kingdom. But Jesus gave us a command before He ascended back into heaven, after He had been resurrected, He gave us a command. He said, Hey, listen, guys, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to tell people about me. And I want you to make disciples of them. But listen, we can't do that if we're not walking in obedience to Jesus. And so when we do that, we release the peace of the kingdom. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, you have the most incredible message in the whole universe. There is no product on this earth that will ever get you into heaven. Only Jesus. And we have that message. We've been given that message. And it's our job to deliver that message wherever we go. And then last week... We learned this, that everything we are and have is a gift from God. See, when we walk in obedience, we discover God's will for us, and it's good, pleasing, and perfect. We talked about that the second week, but last week we talked about this. And and so the first part was our relationship. Now we're moving into the attitude. When we realize that everything that we have is a gift from God, including, by the way, your life. You ever think about that? You came into this world with what? Nothing. You're buck naked, right? You didn't have anything. And you're going to leave this world buck naked. Well, you won't be naked, but you'll be dressed in a suit or whatever. Maybe they'll put hay over it. I don't know, whatever you want to do. But you're going to, leave this, you're going to leave this world with nothing. You're not going to take your car. You're not going to take your family. You're not going to take your wallet. You're not going to take your favorite technology. You're not going to take anything. You're going to heaven with nothing but your soul. That's what the scripture teaches us. So listen, everything that we have here on this earth, it's been given to us by God, including our very own lives. Everything we have is a gift from God. That's why Jesus said, give us today the food we need. And as we learned from Pastor Chris, this was so important for us to understand. It's super essential needs. It's things oftentimes we don't even know that we need. They're super essential. And we need them in our lives. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, pray for these things because you need them in your life. And God will provide those things. So 
Everything that we have comes from God. So it begins to shape our attitude because so often as people, we come into prayer and we say, God, I want you to do this for me because I am awesome, right? I mean, I mean, you might not say it that way, but don't you at least probably think that, you know, God, I, I'm, a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and, uh, and I just want you to do this for me, right? And in some ways that works. But listen, when my kids come to me and they say, Daddy, can I have this? And I know that they love me. And I know that they, they, um, they want, well, I think they want the best for me. Sometimes I question it, but I, I think they do. You know, when I know that they are, are valuing our relationship, I'm more likely to give them that thing unless it's chocolate, you know? I, I really am, because why? Because I'm in love with them. I love those kids. They're so incredible. And, you know, our Heavenly Father will do that as well, but they come with an attitude. And when they come to me with that attitude of, get me a drink, you know, what do I do? Shut up, kid. <laughs> Go back to your room. You can starve the rest of your life. I don't care, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe you're not like me as a dad, probably good. But anyway, but here's the deal, right? We're less likely to respond to a situation like that, aren't we? If you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying, okay? Or, or anybody comes to us, we're, we're less likely. So that attitude has to be changed. And when we recognize that everything is a gift from God, then it begins to shift um, things. So today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into a shift in attitude, because if our prayers are to be effective, we must have the attitude of humility, not just toward God, okay? It's easy sometimes to have an attitude of humility towards God. That's, that's kind of the good part, and that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about something that's really a whole lot different and a whole lot um, harder, and that is to have a right relationship with people. In fact, Jesus is going to show us that if we are to have effective prayers, we have to have right relationships with people. Look at this. This is number five on your outline. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus develops further. Look at what he says in verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, Jesus is offering here a, a statement that's somewhat confusing and incredibly, incredibly challenging. But here's what Jesus is implying here. Jesus is implying that if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts toward another person, our prayers will be rendered ineffective. <laughs> That's hard. Because it's easy to have humility towards God. It's not easy to have humility towards other people, especially when they've hurt us. But Jesus says here and implies here through this text, that if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, that our prayers will be rendered ineffective. And, and listen, guys, I, I believe that this is why many of us pray and 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 pray and, pray and nothing happens. It's not always the case, okay? Not always the case. But I think a lot more often than, than we'd like to admit it is. Because when we allow forgiveness to enter into our lives um, through Jesus, then we need to push that forgiveness out to other people. So before we go any further, I just want to clarify something because 
something could be misunderstood in that, in that um, conversation that Jesus is having in the teaching that he's giving. It seems like he's saying, listen, if you don't forgive other people, you're going to hell, okay? It seems like he's saying that, but he's not, okay? What, what, what that means, and we're going to talk about what that means a little bit later, but what Jesus uh, is not saying is that you will not be saved. You will not receive his forgiveness because here's the deal. His forgiveness to us and toward us is given to us by grace through faith. What does that mean? That means that when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive a free gift. It's a free gift to us. What, what is a gift? What do you do to earn a gift? <laughs> Nothing, right? It's a gift. It's free. And so Jesus' gift of salvation to us is a free gift. We cannot do anything to earn it. So if we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, okay, if we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, doesn't mean we're not going to be saved. But what it does mean is we're just going to have a hard life. And God's not really going to respond to our prayers, okay? And that's, that's not what God wants for us. Because we're his kids living in his kingdom. And he wants to have this communication, this discussion, this, uh, he wants to pour his power into our lives. But if we will not forgive others, we will not be able to leverage the power of God in our lives. So I wanted to be very clear about that before we move any further. So here's the deal. So Jesus talks about forgiveness, not only here in Matthew 6, but also in a couple of other passages. And, and this is so important because there is something to be said about our relationship with God and, and our relationship with others and the, and the effectiveness of our prayers. Look at this from Mark chapter eleven twenty five. Here's what Jesus says. But when you are praying first, okay, the first thing you do, Jesus said, everybody say first, first, right? The first thing that you do is you forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. <laughs> Darn it, Jesus. You, you ever just said that? Like, man, that is just that, you know, whatever. Okay. Like, you know, you, you kind of act like an immature child in that point. <laughs> and then you realize, okay, he's right because he is. The very first thing we do is forgive anyone we're holding a grudge against so that our Heavenly Father will forgive our sins too. Then Jesus again points to forgiveness when it comes to expecting an answer from God. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, here's what he said. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So forgiveness is obviously important when it comes to prayer. But the question remains as to why. Why is forgiveness? I mean, forgiveness this way, when God forgives us and we receive that into our life, we understand why that's important. But why is forgiveness horizontally, like with our friends and our family and even people we don't know, why, why is that so important? I believe Jesus illustrates that in a parable that he tells. So we're going to look at that together. This from, comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Here's what he said. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, how many of you have ever asked that question? God, how many times do I have to forgive this guy, this girl, or my kid? <laughs> right? In fact, if you're married, you've probably asked this a lot, right? Especially if you're a wife. You know, how many times do I have to forgive him? God, I mean, what? Seven times? I mean, that's pretty generous, God. Seven times. You know, that's, that's pretty good. Look what Jesus says. Nope, not seven. Seventy times seven. 
Oh, that's, that's rough. Okay, so moving on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had been forgiven. He said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So Peter comes to Jesus with a very legitimate question. Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive this person? And Jesus tells him a story. Three characters, a king, the forgiven servant, and, and the servant's friend. The forgiven servant owed a tremendous amount of debt. Now, I don't know if you caught this or not, but in the text, in the story, Jesus says that he comes before the king and he could not pay it. Millions of dollars. He could not pay it. He didn't have enough time left in his life to raise that kind of money. Listen, guys, it was impossible for him to pay this debt. And the king has compassion on him and forgives, and forgives that debt. And I mean, imagine the freedom in that moment. And so what happens? That forgiven servant runs out and he's happy and then he sees somebody who owes him money and he goes over to him and he grabs him by the throat. He says, give me my money. And what does that servant say? That servant says, he falls down before him. He says, you know, listen, I will pay you back. I just need a little bit more time. Just give me a little bit more time. What does that imply? This servant who couldn't pay is now trying to get money from a servant who can pay? It just takes time. This doesn't even make any sense. And so what happens? He, he couldn't pay him. Just need a little more time, couldn't pay him. So he, the, the forgiven servant has the, his friend thrown in jail until the debt could be paid. That's just ridiculous. And so his fellow servants saw this and they went and told the king and the king comes in and he is having the experience that I'm kind of having right now where I'm just angry at this guy, you know? And, and he's saying, hey, listen, I forgave you something you could never pay, ever. And what did you do? You went out and you wanted a few thousand dollars from your buddy who was gonna pay you if you would have just been patient? Get out of here. And he had him thrown into prison to be tortured. Jesus says something really scary there. He says, listen, that's what will happen to us if we do not forgive. So forgiveness is incredibly, incredibly important when it comes to our relationship with God when it comes to praying and prayer. And so what is, what is the answer to the question, why? Well, the answer is this. What do we see in that story? 
we see a forgiven servant who has been forgiven and given a tremendous gift who goes out and basically curses his fellow servant. He doesn't offer the same forgiveness that he has just received. In fact, what he's doing in, in, in his action, and this happens all the time, his action demonstrates what's really in his heart, which, by the way, is sin. So why, why is unforgiveness uh, such a big deal to God in our prayers? Because if we harbor unforgiveness, we're harboring sin. We're harboring pride. We're harboring uh, whatever it is, anger, resentment towards another person. We're, we're harboring sin in our lives. So if we want our prayers to be answered, forgiveness has to happen. It has to, it has to happen. Jesus tells us another story. He says, two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. You see, Pharisees were just incredible people in their day. They were so just outwardly holy. And a tax collector, everybody hated. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. I don't chew, I don't smoke, and I don't go out with the girls that do, right? I mean, so this, that's not in the Bible, okay? But it could be. So Jesus is saying, hey, here's, here's guy A, <laughs> thinks he's perfect thinks he has it all together. Then Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Jesus said, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who ex who humble themselves, will be exalted. So don't miss this. The defining characteristic of effective prayer is an attitude of humility by the acceptance of God's forgiveness and the transference of God's forgiveness. If we want to have effective prayers, we must forgive people. Because if we don't, just imagine what God is thinking up in heaven. I gave you, I forgave you something you could never pay me. I gave it to you as a free gift. And you can't even forgive your, what did Jesus say? Brothers and sisters. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here, that's the people that are around you who also are followers of Jesus. There, can't you just resonate with that? I mean, the king was livid and he had every right to be. So why would he respond to that prayer? Well, Warren Wearsby had something to say about that. He was a pastor. Here's what he said. Since prayer involves glorifying God's name, hastening the coming of God's kingdom, and helping to accomplish God's will on earth, the one praying must not have sin in his heart. If God answered the prayers of a believer who had an unforgiving spirit, he would dishonor his own name. How could God work through such a person to get his will done on earth? If God gave him his requests, he would be encouraging sin. The important thing about prayer is not simply getting an answer, but being the kind of person whom God can trust with an answer. We have to be the kind of people that God can trust with an answer. 
That's what the parable of the king was all about. That forgiven servant was not worthy. And yet God still forgave him. But he wasn't going to work through him because he couldn't. So he had him cast out. He was useless, in other words. And guys, in this life, we cannot be useless because Jesus said, go out into all the world and tell people the most incredible news that there's a God who loves them and wants to forgive them of a debt they cannot pay. But if you can't get over yourself and you can't get over this unforgiveness, you're going to be useless and your prayers are not going to be effective. So we have to become the kinds of people whom God can trust with an answer. When we have issues with each other, we are not going to hear from God and leverage his power in prayer. So when we have issues with each other, we're we're not going to be able to leverage God's power in prayer. So here's what forgiveness is all about then. Forgiveness is all about freedom. In fact, that's the one thing. I, I want you to walk out of here and just know this today, that forgiveness leads to freedom. Forgiveness leads to freedom. That's our take-home point. Forgiveness leads to freedom. Because when we've been forgiven, we receive freedom. But when we forgive other people, we also receive freedom. Because here's the deal. When we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, we're basically putting ourselves in an emotional prison. How has your unforgiveness ever hurt anybody else? Most of the time it doesn't. The only person that it hurts is you. Forgiveness leads to freedom. So today, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. Maybe for some of you, the first time today, you need to receive freedom from God by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus for the very first time. All you have to do is believe, and then you receive it. For those of you who have followed Jesus for some time, maybe you've had some bumps in the road with some relationships with people, and, and you've been praying and things just maybe haven't been happening and your relationship with God just doesn't seem like it, 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 it's not what it was at first. I would encourage you to examine your life and examine your heart and ask the question, do I have unforgiveness in my heart? And if you do, we're going to pray a prayer that will set you free. But you have to embrace it. You have to believe it. And then here's the deal. You have to let it go. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. And as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, I want you to to hear me, okay? And I don't want you looking around. I want you to just focus right now, okay? There's one person in your life that probably is the hardest person to forgive. And that person is you. You know every wrong thing you've ever done. You know every hurtful thing you've ever done. And probably you feel guilty. So the very first person that we need to pray to forgive today is ourselves. And listen, this is not some kind of new age mumbo jumbo. Jesus said we need to love others out of the overflow of loving ourselves. And we cannot love ourselves if we do not forgive ourselves. So we're going to pray first 
to forgive ourselves. And then we're going to pray to forgive others. And there will be a prayer on the screen when I pray it. If you want to pray it with me, you can pray it or you can just pray it in your heart. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes right now and let the Holy Spirit just settle in. Let him speak to your heart about situations and relationships that you need to pray for this morning for forgiveness. So right now in this time, as we reflect, accept God's forgiveness and transfer it to other people. Father, we, in this moment, we ask you to forgive us and help us to forgive ourselves. Lord, we know that your, your word tells us that you cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. In other words, you forget about it. So God, help us to make amends where we need to and then just let it go. Father, today we accept your forgiveness. We receive it into our lives. And God, today help us now to transfer it to other people, to those who've hurt us deeply. The harmful word, harmful action, whatever it is, God, that you would forgive them. Father, we pray this prayer. Father, I forgive every person, living or dead, who has ever used me, abused me, or hurt me in any way. I release them to you that you may bless them. God, set us free today as we experience your forgiveness in this moment and help us to pass it to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, I know some of you have been very deeply hurt by others. And if you haven't, you will be at some point. So we need to go out of here today with an action. And that's what our commitment is all about. Here's what it says. I will forgive those who have hurt me and choose to live in the freedom God gives me daily. What does that mean? That means that we're going to live with an attitude of humility towards God and towards other people. And we're just going to offer forgiveness as we get hurt. Because if we don't let the forgiveness build up, we're going to live in freedom all the time. And our prayers will be effective.
And you see, for some of you this week, that thing that you've been praying for for a long, long time, it's just going to happen. And the reason is because you have given up harboring that unforgiveness in your heart. I believe that. So today what we're going to do is, um, as we close, we're going to sing a song called, O Come to the Altar. And in this song, uh, I, I, I know this, there, there are some hurts that just take some undoing. <laughs> and they take more than just one simple prayer. They, they take talking to somebody as you pray. And so we're gonna, I'm going to have the um, team come up right now, if you would. If you're going to pray, um, would you come forward? And if you would like to um, pray up here at the altar today, we don't really have an altar, but we, we just... Um, come up front. If you need an extra portion of prayer this morning, or if you just want to come up and pray, listen, whatever it is, whatever the Spirit is leading you to do, feel free to come forward. Nobody's going to look at you and go, hmm, that person doesn't have it all together. That doesn't matter. What matters is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So I want to invite you this morning to come forward if you'd like to. So if you would, let's stand together. And we're going to uh, prepare to sing, O Come to the Altar. And as we do, please feel free.